What is going on, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. As I sit here recording the podcast today, we are exactly 21 days away from the first night of the NFL season. Uh, and I'm super excited. We are also halfway through our divisional preview pods. Today, Matt's coming on to talk about the AFC and NFC South. Uh, might be a little Tom Brady heavy on the NFC South. A lot of you guys know he's my favorite player. So it's going to be fun. Let's go. We are back. It is time for the AFC and NFC South previews. Uh, Matt, September and therefore football season is almost upon us. We are so close. Yeah, this went south fast. So September is my favorite time of year because football season starts. It's like the gatekeeper to fall. It's like it's almost there. This is the shredded portion of the never eat shredded wheat football preview podcast thing we're halfway through uh we are going to start with the afc south uh so matt what is your biggest storyline for the afc south this year my biggest storyline for the afc south is the burning wreckage of a carcass that is the houston texans they had quite an eventful offseason mostly centered around Deshaun Watson. It's pretty clear at this point that there is no way he's going to play this year. Um, I won't get into too much of his situation. I uh, I think everyone's pretty aware of what's gone on with him. And, you know, now there's more and more police reports being filed against him. So, I just don't think there's any way they're going to even let him play. Um, and then they've got him playing scout team safety and Tyrod Taylor is taking the first team snaps. They have very little talent on that roster now. And it seems that the almost the entirety, maybe it's 50, 50, I don't know of that fan base seems to just absolutely hate the owner. One of my overarching strategies when I play fantasy football is I take certain offenses and certain teams and say, I am not touching that team no matter what. Uh, yeah. Houston's number one on my list this year because they have like their running backs is basically like an all-star team from like five years ago with Ingram, <laughs> Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, like Brandon Cooks is on that team. Uh, but man, it's a mess. And think about like two seasons ago in the playoffs, they were up 21 nothing in Kansas City in the first quarter. And everything from then until now has been the worst possible scenario that you ever could have imagined for a football team. It's, yeah. it's been a disaster. The offseason was just an absolute circus and like, Things don't look good for the team and ownership and front office as a whole based on how things played out. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that 
the attorney who has represented all of these women just so happens to live in a mansion across the street from owner Cal McNair and has a tank in his front yard that is facing Cal McNair's house. But I, did McNair like cut his shrubs like in a weird way one time and like pissed off the neighbors? <laughs> yeah, they. I, I think it's just like a funny joke between them. Like I think they're buddy buddy. That's that's my guess. Yeah, it's a weird situation down there. And I think the best way to sum it up is that the guy who led the league in passing last year is playing scout team safety, which yeah, epic move by the Texans coaching staff. Yeah, that's that's another thing is like, you know, in the coaching search, I know a lot of Lions fans are saying like, well, you know, none of the better coaches would take the Lions over the Texans because they got Deshaun Watson over there, even though they have no picks. And here we are with the Texans looking like they got the worst pull possible on their hire of a head coach. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And like you mentioned, they have no picks. Think about Miami right now. If you're Miami, you just got to, you know, you just had two early first round picks in this draft. You're going to maybe get the first overall pick in the next draft because of how bad Houston's going to be this season. Like that doesn't make me happy, but yeah, man. Well, from one team, that's a mess to uh, another team that wasn't supposed to be a mess, but they suddenly are. Uh, my biggest storyline is the rehab of Carson Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, during during the offseason, the Colts traded a third and a conditional second that can become a first based on basically making the playoffs and like how many snaps Carson Wentz plays uh, in order to bring him over from Philadelphia and reunite him with his former offensive coordinator, head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich. Uh, Wentz had a really bad year in Philly last year for a multitude of reasons. We talked about Philly's coaching last season on the uh, NFC East preview podcast with Doug Peterson. Uh, But in 12 games last season, he was three, eight and one with 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. uh, And he was sacked 50 times in 12 games. Uh, Also fumbled the ball 10 times. So a lot of turnovers there. Uh, And he has, he has a big contract, not like horrible, especially with how bad, you know, with how big quarterback contracts are getting with like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these guys signing their new deals. But, you know, 20, 20 to 25 million per year. He's making 20 this year. It's going to go up to like 25, 26 the next couple of years. Uh, so Philly ships him out, gets a couple of picks. And the Colts are basically gambling that they can fix this guy. And I, I say fix in quotations because he was horrible last season. But if you look at his stats for like the last couple of years, they're really not all that bad. No, and, and uh, like he he was playing with like no talent on the outside the last couple of years. Like after that Super Bowl run, it just disappeared. It got bad quick in Philadelphia. And so they're reuniting him with the, you know, Frank Reich is the head coach for the Colts. Now he was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia when Carson Wentz had his MVP season. Uh, He did not win MVP that year because he got hurt near the end, but even, you know, he missed three, the last three games, 
but in 13 games, he had 33 touchdown passes and only seven picks. And he still had an argument to win MVP that season, even though he missed the last three games. But anyway, they're reuniting uh, Wentz with Reich, where he had his MVP season. Uh, They are now putting him in a situation where he also has a ton of talent around him. The Colts have a top five offensive line, uh, have one of the the best backfields in the NFL, led by Jonathan Taylor, but they also have Naeem Hines back there, who's a great pass catching back. Uh, Marlon Mack coming back off of an Achilles tear. We don't know what he's going to look like, but man, that's, you know, you got JT behind you. And then kind of an underrated uh, group of receivers. You know, T.Y. Hilton is still there. Paris Campbell. I personally, I really like Michael Pittman Jr. I think that he could have a big season if Wentz is healthy. Uh, And then, you know, potentially a top five defense as well. Like they're, they got some good pieces on that defense. And let's not forget, they almost beat the Bills in the playoffs last year with Phillip Rivers at quarterback, like old man Rivers back there. Uh, they gave the Bills all they could handle in a 27 to 24 loss in Buffalo. So the pieces are there. And really, if Wright can rehab Wentz and maybe, you know, not get him all the way back to his MVP season, but if he can be like 75, 80% of that, I think that this team is a Super Bowl contender this year. Well, this, like, we really just don't know when Carson Wentz is going to be ready. I would not be shocked if we see Phil Rivers back in Indy. Right after that surgery was announced for him and, like, how he's going to miss, you know, five to 12 weeks or whatever, you immediately, like, within a couple days, hear Phil Rivers come out and say, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind coming out of retirement for, you know, a, a title run. He's probably bored at home with his 17 kids. He's probably like, oh, shit, like raising dozens of kids is hard work. <laughs> and so we, we could see him, but uh, what Matt's referring to is Carson once had surgery a couple weeks ago to remove a bone fragment from his foot. There was a piece of bone in his foot that was not supposed to be there uh, and had it surgically removed. The timeline for him to come back was five to 12 weeks, which is like a massive timeline. He could be back at the beginning of the season. He could miss the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, we don't really know. But what I do know is that if he plays well and he can come back from injury and then uh, Quentin Nelson, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, who had the same surgery, actually, weirdly, uh, you yeah. know, they get those two guys back. This is this is a legit squad if they have good quarterback play. Quentin Nelson, I do expect to see out there week one. I don't think you can physically stop him from forcing his way onto the field. No. I think you're just getting hurt if you try to do that. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about him hurting people in a little bit here. So uh, let's go to category two first, though. What is your most interesting unit? Uh, my most interesting unit is the Jags offense. Honestly, as it was being put together, I was really just saying, what the hell? Daryl Bevel does not scream spread option offense. And that's kind of more the background that Urban Meyer has a little bit. And like it's a really, really good fit for Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. But when you think of Daryl Bevel, it's more 
like your traditional play action from you know I formations and stuff like that um ace formations not that Daryl Bevel hasn't shown some ability to to adapt over his career uh actually I have a lot of respect for him with that because when he was allowed to run the offense that he wanted to run in Detroit, it was actually rather successful, but it's really, it's really weird offense to look at because you're not sure what you're going to get. You don't know what style of play they're going to have. The talent is definitely there for an offense to be good. Uh, I really like that. They brought in Marvin Jones for Trevor Lawrence because Quite frankly, they didn't have anyone on their roster that could just go up and get a ball for him the way that he can. Um, so there's there's some potential there. But I have no idea what we're going to see in this offense. So I actually really like this pick for most interesting unit because like the Jags, is, this sounds weird to say, but the Jags like sneakily have a lot of talent on that offense. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence a little bit later, too. But aside from him, like, you now have James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, and Travis Etienne, who, you know, say what, you know, we we all set our pieces about drafting a first-round running back during our draft results. Yeah. We won't get into that again. This is more about who they have now. But uh, James Robinson ran for over 1,000 yards as an undrafted rookie last season. They have him. They got Etienne. Uh, the receiving core is interesting now. You mentioned Marvin Jones. They also have DJ Chark and then a guy yep. who I'm a huge fan of, LaVisca Chenault. I got a lot of LaVisca Chenault stock uh, kept away here. Yeah, he's, so, he's a real interesting slot receiver for them. You know, and on defense, they actually have, you know, some talent there as well. They got Josh Allen, Miles Jack, a couple of those guys. But like an interesting team, they are not going to be last this season in their division. For sure. They'll finish ahead of Houston. Uh, but you know, not, not a lot of pressure to win a ton of games, but could be a fun offense. Uh, if urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel can kind of figure out what they want to run and get that instituted. Daryl Bevel loves him some trick plays. And he really, really likes flea flickers. So I expect that you're going to see probably close to 10 flea flickers from him this year. If not more, the greatest play in all of football, the flea flicker. My favorite, my personal favorite play. Even when you know it's coming, it's still fascinating to watch. <laughs> so that it's an that's definitely an interesting unit. Uh, let's go on to my favorite unit because mine is also an offense, but it is one that I think has a chance to be the best one in the league this season. You know, if not, they're definitely going to be up there. So mine is the Tennessee Titans offense. Uh, they were already one of the best in the league last year. If you like traditional statistics they were fifth in yards per game. Uh, If you like advanced statistics, they were fourth in offensive DVOA. And for those who don't know, a really basic explanation of DVOA is it's basically how good you are adjusted for multiple factors, like your opponent quality situations. Like it breaks down every single play you ran that season and adjust your like efficiency in those plays. But yeah, so way up there in both of those, like you want to be high, you want to be near the top of the league in DVOA and they were fourth. So not only good from a yardage perspective, uh, they scored a lot of points last year and then they went out and added a guy who's been one of the best receivers in the league over the last five to six years and Julio Jones. They didn't just do that. They 
essentially traded Corey Davis for Julio Jones in their lineup. Like that's essentially what they did. Yeah, and I I love Scory, but uh, that's an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have uh, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry at your skill positions. Uh, and for those who are not acquainted with AJ Brown, let me introduce you uh, very quickly. He's a third year receiver who has played 30 career games uh, and he has over 2000 yards and 20 touchdowns and 23 career starts. So (laughs) he's very good. He's big. Good. I remember that year I was telling you like this guy should be going in the first round. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I was begging the Patriots to take him over Nikhil Harry. (laughs) I, I was so excited when he was there, when the Patriots were, they got to the final pick of that round and they drafted Nikhil Harry. And I I tried to talk myself into it, but I was disappointed. We didn't get Brown. I did not think Brown was going to be this good this quickly though. I thought he was going to be, you know, good, but not putting up the monster numbers that he does. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you ever expect anyone to be this good this quickly, but like, I just didn't see anything. There was not to like with him. He's quick fast strong great hands good route runner like yeah so they, they have a lot of talent on this offense you know they have derrick henry who you're going to talk about in a bit but uh he he just is coming off of a season where he ran for two thousand yards uh which is a lot for a running back uh but really you know the only problems for the titans they lost their offensive coordinator arthur smith who is now the head coach of the atlanta falcons so you got a new offensive coordinator uh, but it's an internal promotion, so I don't think ch- things should change that much. The real problem for them is that as good as their offense is, that is how as bad as their defense is. Their defense was horrible last season. They were 29th in yards allowed, 29th in defensive DVOA, and 24th in points allowed. And my question for the offense is, can they make up for how bad this defense is probably going to be again this season? Which is a weird thing for the Titans because historically the Titans were like ground and pound play tough. No, for, kind of yeah, for a long time that's that's the way they were. But now it's like, man, if they can just you know get outside of the bottom ten in defense, they're unbeatable. But like, <laughs> well, hold on, hold that thought because the other thing is they lost a playoff game to Baltimore last season, twenty to thirteen. Yeah. And the season before they went to the AFC championship and lost to the chiefs, but they made it that far with Ryan Tannehill throwing like single digit passes in the first two yeah. games. So that's kind of my other question for them is, is this a regular, is this like a James Harden situation where like regular season, it's amazing. They're going to destroy people. They're going to put up a ton of points. What are we going to see out of Tannehill in the playoffs this season? Cause I, yeah. I think there'll be a playoff team. But I, I question the passing game when you get to that point. Well, we also have to wonder, like, how much more is this offense going to drift towards traditional in terms of passing now that there's a different OC? I don't expect the structure and focus of the offense to change, but, I mean... I don't think 
any quarterback you put into that offense is going to put up particularly amazing passing numbers just because that's not the way they run. But now, like, there's no excuse. You have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside. You got to get the job done for Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to, you know, in these playoff games, he doesn't have to throw 30 times. No. But, I mean, when they were winning games, he literally had, like, seven attempts in one of those playoff yeah. wins and, like, I think nine. The the game where they upset the Ravens, he had very few passing attempts. And, like, it's and, fine when you're ahead, but it gets to a point where you have to be able to throw the ball to win in the playoffs. Well, and come playoff time, you cannot wait until you are down to start having him throw the ball. If, yeah. if that is what you're doing, you are 100% going to lose. You can't have a shooter wait until the fourth quarter to start taking shots. Like you gotta, gotta get a little bit of a rhythm going. Yeah, I, I agree. But let's go on to the next category because we are going to stay in Tennessee for your favorite non-QB. Staying in Tennessee for the only 10 I see. Derrick Henry, the only running back that you should be really focusing on at all because <laughs> good God, is he fucking brutal. Well, you talk about Javante Williams waking up and choosing violence. Like Derrick Henry wakes up, chooses violence, then makes a shake full of just pure violence chugs that and then just eats a plate full of violence if you are interested in just seeing people embarrassed just go on youtube and search derrick henry stiff arm there's there's many many of them and they are each more brutal than the last yeah i mean he led the league with 34 broken tackles last season but I don't think that they count it as a broken tackle when someone launches themselves at you and just bounces off. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what happens on a lot of his runs. Cause he is a big man and he is very hard to bring down. I mean, it's six, three, two fifty. Yeah. Running the ball at you over and over and over again. Cause he will carry the ball 30, 40 times a game if he well, has to. And like, he still tops out on his long runs. Like he still tops out at like the same speed as guys like Alvin Kamara and Barkley, all of them, like he still gets up to like 22, 23 miles per hour, which is crazy when you have that much weight. And the, you know, craziest thing about him too, uh, he just posted the eighth 2000 yard rushing season. And like, think about the era that we're in with like passing and like how, many passes teams throw with like all the rule changes and stuff. And this team and this dude is just, they're just pounding the ball on people. It it is incredible to watch on from him to another extremely violent player who we mentioned earlier. uh, I think that in favorite non QBs for all of our preview podcasts, that this is going to be the only offensive lineman who has chosen, uh, but he has chosen for good reason. And that is Colts guard, Quentin Nelson. That when you're like telling people about an offensive lineman, there's not like a lot of stats you can throw out. Like we can't be like, oh yeah, he ran for this many yards or caught or his completion percentage, blah, blah, blah. 
what I can tell you is this man has been in the NFL for three seasons and he is a three-time first team all pro. He has been rated as one of the best guards in the league every single one of his seasons so far. He is probably the only guard who has a nine minute highlight film on YouTube of him destroying people. Uh, and I don't know what else to say other than he's just nasty, man. He's agile. He's got incredible footwork and he watched like Colts running plays. He's so fast getting into the second level of that defense and blocking linebackers. Like he springs Taylor for like a ton of runs during the end of the season last year. And man, he, he's just slept on. He may not only be one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He may be one of the best players in the league period. I mean, he was taken what fifth overall. I think six overall out of Notre six. Dame guards don't generally get taken in the first round very often, let alone inside the top 10. When he was coming out, there was not a doubt that he was falling to like 10 or 11. It was pretty much a consensus that he was going around five, six. It's evident when you watch him because just sitting at home watching the way he smacks people makes you physically hurt. Like <laughs> it, oh God, he just, he, he's just nasty. And it's, it's between him and Zach Martin, the guard for the Cowboys for who's the best guard in the league. But like, if both those guys could be top 10 players in the NFL, they just don't get the recognition they deserve because they don't play a glamor position. But like I said, man, this guy's got a nine minute highlight tape on YouTube that you can go watch. And the highlights are like just as fun as watching like Derrick Henry or uh, Alvin Kamara or like one of these other guys we're going to talk about today. So treat yourself and go watch it. Yeah, I think that's all we could say. Just let the film speak for itself. Let's go on to uh, category four. Who is your favorite rookie? Uh, So I'm going to stay in Indianapolis and go with uh, the Colts. First pick in Pay. Uh They already had a really good defensive line last year, which might make this pick seem kind of odd because he might not get as much playing time as maybe some other picks. But, you know, if you listen to our draft preview or analysis coverage, um, the guy is just like kind of like a little bundle of lightning. He's wrote, he's compact, strong, quick. He's able to hold up inside. Like they're going to get him on the field. Maybe not as much as some other players, but he's going to be out there all the time. And they took him in the first round for a reason because they think that he can, you know, make that difference in the playoffs. I think in terms of getting some more pressure. Cause I think that's probably what they feel like was that eventually they're undoing against the bills, just not being able to affect Josh Allen enough, um, which I think is a pretty common strategy is just pummel the quarterback. So, I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say other than like watch this young, talented, fast rusher go out there 
and take what he's learning from other established pros and try to chase down Josh Allen. It's going to be a nasty defense this year too. Uh, Darius Leonard is another, you know, we didn't talk about him, but he's another one of my favorite non-quarterbacks in this division. Uh, He's awesome. And it it makes me sad that the Colts defense is going to be so good this year because, you know, we always talk about like draft hits that we had Uh, a big draft miss of mine a couple years ago. I was really big on Malik Hooker, uh, the safety from Ohio State, and he is no longer with the Colts. I don't even know if he made it through his whole rookie contract before he was on a different team. He also had a lot of injuries. I think that's a lot of what it was. Yeah, he was just someone I was really high on who never quite worked out. So, uh, But on to my favorite rookie, and this is the chalkiest chalk pick that you could have in these kind of divisional previews. Uh, I picked Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I picked Trevor Lawrence, the new quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not a ton to say about him. He's the first overall pick in the NFL draft this offseason. He's going to be the starter from day one. But the thing I think is really interesting is that the moment he takes his first snap with Jacksonville, he's probably going to be the best quarterback they've ever had. <laughs> like, if you look at the list from their inception, their best quarterbacks they've had so far are like David Garrard and Byron yeah. Leftwich, and like, and nothing against those guys, but like, they've never had like a really good quarterback. Yeah, I think Garrard had some good seasons there, but yeah, he did. Man. You might be sleeping on him a little bit. A little, but like, I don't think that the yeah. he's setting the bar that high for Trevor Lawrence yeah. to pass him, yeah. you know? So, yeah, he, he could be the best player pretty quickly. And I, I think that he may actually end up being the key to keeping the Jags in Florida, in Jacksonville. There's been a lot of buzz about them potentially moving to London unless they can get some of their revenue and some of their attendance up. And the way that his jersey's been selling since the draft and – the buzz that he's creating down there. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot to put on a rookie, but he has been a winner at every level. He was 31 and two in college while scoring 108 touchdowns in basically two and a half years. So I'm excited to see him play. He's been touted as a, being a prospect that's on the level of John Elway and Andrew Luck, who are like the highest graded QB prospects of all time. You know, you may think he's there. You may not, but the pressure is definitely there for him, even if he's playing in Jacksonville. So he's, he's going to be fun to watch this season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't really feel like I need to comment on him as a player, but I, I will say what I want from him is for him to really lean into, like, stupid nicknames, like the lawman. <laughs> and wear, like, <laughs> like big-ass belt buckles and, like, over the top fucking cowboy hats. Well, we'll see. I, if, I want this. We'll see if the lawman sticks. Uh, what, is, what is your bold prediction for the AFC South? I'm gonna exit this division the same way that I entered it, and that's by shitting on a particular franchise. I'm gonna say that the Houston Texans are going to be the first team and the history of the NFL to lose 17 games in a season. Oh, so I thought about going with this one. Uh, I decided to go positive instead of negative, but I thought about that too. It's just a real lack of talent down there. It's tough, man. Those skill positions are tough. It's not even just that, but like, 
Every team has injuries. What happens when their offensive line gets banged up? You know, or you know, they basically lose the majority of one particular position group. Like they just don't have enough on that roster to adapt when the NFL season goes the way the NFL season always does. And it's like no team gets through an through a season completely unscathed. Like everyone deals with bumps along the road. But if you don't have the talent to kind of, you know, elevate yourself just a little bit here or there, just, just you're not going to make it. That is true. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, my bold prediction, like I said, I went positive. My bold prediction is that Derrick Henry is going to become the first running back ever to have back-to-back 2,000-yard rushing seasons. I mean, he's going to get the ball a lot. I know they added Julio Jones, but he's going to have the opportunity and he has an extra game to do it this season. Uh, So I I think if they feed him like they should and like they have uh, for the past couple of years, that he can do it. Yeah, There's, there's not much to say about that. The man is a beast. The man is a beast. He's going to go up against, like, think about the some of the defenses he's going to go up against this season, too. He's got the Texans twice. He's got the Jags D twice. I mean, like we said, the Colts D is going to be pretty good. Uh, but four games against those other two Ds, and then, you know, I don't know. I think he can do it. That is it for the AFC South. Let's go on to the NFC South. And I am going to lead off because talking about the NFC South gives me a chance to talk about my all-time favorite athlete, the greatest North American athlete of all time, the greatest quarterback ever, Tom Brady, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, My biggest storyline for the NFC South is the thing that you're going to be pummeled over the head with all season this season. And that is uh, Tom Brady at 44 years old. Tom Brady was 43 last season and just continues to defy the odds in his age, 43 season. He threw for 4,633 yards and 40 touchdowns uh, and won a Super Bowl as well. (laughs) His seventh. In 17 games this season, could we possibly see him have a 5,000-yard season at 44 years old with all 12 members of or all 11 members of that offense coming back? Uh, he has no signs of slowing down. He his arm actually looked better last season than it did his last couple of years in New England. Uh, he is 10 touchdowns ahead of Drew Brees for most regular season passing touchdowns in a career. Uh, that number is going to be, he's going to be ahead of Breeze by somewhere between 40 and 50 touchdowns. He's going to just completely blow that record out of the water. Only regular season touchdowns, because if we included playoffs, he already is blowing everybody out of the water. So he's only adding to that. He is 1,154 yards behind Drew Breeze for most passing yards all time, regular season. Because if we include playoffs again, he's way ahead of everybody but there's a good chance that he actually might break that record in Foxborough (laughs) week four against the Patriots. He already has an unassailable case for being the greatest quarterback of all time. There's nothing you can say about this man at this point. And he's just going to keep adding to it every season. Now 
quarterbacks, like two things about quarterbacks. One, they don't play into their 40s. And two, the ones who do, do not play well into their 40s. He's 44 and has a shot at like being top five in the league in passing yards this year. It absolutely boggles my mind. Yeah, I specifically didn't plan much on this because I knew you would have a soapbox. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like I it's, miss Tom. It's it's bananas, and uh, like there's really not much more you can say about it because it defies all reason. I mean, like Drew Brees aged fantastic. And look how have what look what he looked like last year. Well, like every every really great quarterback who has played this late just kind of falls off the cliff at some point. Yeah. Like Breeze's wasn't as bad as some of the other ones, but like think about Peyton Manning his last season. It, even though they won a Super Bowl, like his arm looked like a noodle. He was struggling. Will the cliff ever come for Tom Brady? I don't know. Someone's going to have to grab Max Kellerman and ask him because it was supposed to come like seven years ago when he was in New England and he's the guy's still going. So uh, let's go to your biggest storyline for the AFC South or the NFC South. Sticking with quarterbacks. um, Another Hall of Fame quarterback retired this offseason in Drew Brees, leaving essentially a vacuum of power in the New Orleans quarterback room. And we don't really know how that's going to play out. We don't know for sure who's going to get that role. It does look like Jamius Winston uh, is most likely to get that starting spot. But, like, we've seen Jamius before. Can Peyton Manning polish up one of these lumps of coal and turn it into a diamond? Or are they going to be – at the end of their rope, finally. I mean, the Saints have been a powerhouse in the NFC for years now. And without a quarterback, they could find themselves struggling to be even in contention for the playoffs. Well, quarterback's not even the depth of their problems, too. They, uh, Aside from trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be, their offensive talent is... Uh, rough at the skill yeah. positions outside of uh, Alvin Kamara, who will, you know, we'll talk about Kamara a little bit more later, but uh, Michael Thomas has this weird ankle thing that won't go away. We don't know yeah. if he's going to play this season. Is he going to get traded? And like, man, if Michael Thomas is not on the saints offense this year, who's their second best offensive player? Like behind Kamara, you would think Latavius yeah. Murray, but apparently Latavius Murray is going to get cut. He's fighting to stay on the roster right now, from what the reports say. So your receiving court is uh, Adam Trotman at tight end, Marquez Calloway and uh, Traquan Smith. Like they, they may have the worst pass catchers in the entire league this season outside of Alvin Kamara. So imagine like Jamius, Mr you know, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions throwing to that group. Like it, it could get really interesting really quickly. Yeah. I mean, and mind you, he did that when he had like a loaded wide receiver core. We might see a 30 in New Orleans if he starts all the games there, but I don't think it will be touchdowns. <laughs> Very doubtful. 
but on from them, let's go to category two to most interesting units. And funny enough, we actually both picked the same team, but different sides of the ball. Yep. Uh, but before we talk about them, I have to get this in here. Uh, you ever see those videos where it's like a guy and his girlfriend sitting down and the guy is showing the girlfriend all of the NFL team logos and she tries to guess their names based on the logos? So <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that. I've done that. There's a bunch of them all over the internet. I, I played that game with my wife, Marley, the other day. And her best answer was when we got to the Carolina logo. <laughs> she named them the Mad Cats. <laughs> and so uh carolina from now on we are rebranding you on this podcast you are now the carolina mad cats go marley hey you made a better team name than the actual nfl team had you win yeah she did good I, the other thing i'll say is that she actually did really good she got a lot of them right but mad cats was by far my favorite so my most interesting unit is the carolina mad cats offense I actually like really like the skill position players that Carolina has as a whole Christian McCaffrey, you know, the running back kind of, that kind of speaks for itself. He's one of, if not the best all around running backs in the league, uh, DJ Moore at wide receiver is an absolute baller. He's had back-to-back 1,100 yard seasons with Teddy Bridgewater and Kyle Allen throwing him the ball. He also had 19 plays of 20 or more yards last season. So explosive guy. And then Robbie Anderson, big play threat. He he had 16 catches of over 20 yards and two over 40 last season. Kind of low key has chemistry with their new quarterback, Sam Darnold as well. And then offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, just really interesting offensive mind. And I don't think that we've seen what his offense can do at an NFL level because of the players they've had at quarterback. And due to uh, Christian McCaffrey missing most of last season with injuries. So quarterback play is going to be the big question for them this season. And they are trying to solve that. Uh, They traded three picks, a six, a second, and a fourth for uh, Sam Darnold. And Darnold, you know, he's been a bust so far after being a really early draft pick for the Jets. However, he played his whole career under Adam Gase so far. And there is a long list of players whose careers got much better once they were done playing with Adam Gase. Uh, the most notable of those, I won't, I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm just going to go over one and that's Ryan Tannehill. And just like a quick thing on Tannehill, while he played under Gase in Miami, his QBR was always in the kind of mid to high forties and his quarterback rating was kind of low nineties. He goes to Tennessee instantly post QBRs of 64 and 78 and then quarterback ratings of 117 and 106. His career has completely changed since going from playing under Gase to playing in a real offense. I think we're going to see if Sam Darnold can do that too, because he's never had this kind of talent or offensive master, kind of like an offensive mastermind, offensive coordinator around him in New York. It was never this good. And now he does. One interesting thing that I noticed was uh, Terrace Marshall reuniting with with Joe Brady. I'm interested to see how successful that makes Terrace Marshall. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he has certainly some other issues. He can play 
a very particular role extremely well. Um, the only thing I'm going to say about him is that there was no one in this past draft other than like maybe Jamar Chase who is as good as him at coming down with those jump balls. And that is going to be a huge benefit to Sam Darnold because sometimes you just need your receiver to bail you out. He definitely needs someone to bail him out. He's going to have a lot of guys who can do it in Carolina. But let's flip to the other side of the ball because your most interesting unit, I believe, is the Mad Cats defense. Yep. Angry Kitties. The reason that I have chosen them is because they have a very young defense and also a very, very fast defense. If you weren't paying attention to these things way back the one, which no shame if you weren't, last year in the draft, Carolina spent every single draft pick on their defense. Not most of them, all of them. Literally all of them. I'm not going to say their defense was great last year, but like they made a lot of flashes. Jeremy Chin is a really fun, young, exciting, like safety linebacker kind of hybrid type of player that I recommend everyone uh, take a look at. Also, I think Jeremy Chin was the first player ever to score uh, touchdowns on back-to-back plays. Uh, as a defensive player, he had two fumble recoveries, two straight plays for touchdowns last season in a game. It's kind of amazing. So Brian Burns is like absolute art watching him rush the passer. He's fast. He bends like freaking rubber band. Like it's another really good guy to keep an eye on. It's just there's so many young athletic guys on that defense to watch that it's just doesn't end. I, I like Shaq Thompson a lot. Derek Brown is just a big jerk in the middle of that defensive line. <laughs> well, don't forget, too, they added, they drafted one of both of our favorite defensive players in this past draft in cornerback J.C. Horn. Yeah, they brought Carolina. in J.C. Horn to play corner. The weirdest thing, I think, about this upcoming season is going to be seeing Joe Horn wearing Panthers gear, uh, rooting on his son. I don't think yeah. Saints fans are going to like that. but That's, that's going to be weird for a lot of people. Well, speaking of the Saints, we're going to go back to them for my favorite non-QB and that is uh, Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Uh, in four seasons in the NFL, he's played in 60 games. He has 6,164 total yards and 58 touchdowns in 60 games. He, he's almost averaging a touchdown per game. Uh, and a lot of you probably have him to thank for your fantasy football championships last year as he scored six touchdowns in the fantasy football championship round or the one, the traditional one. Suck um, Trent. <laughs> he's had over a hundred targets and over 80 catches uh, in every season of his career so far. Also one of only two running backs to average uh, over two yards per route run since 2017. 
the other being Austin Eckler. What I'm trying to tell you is that he is an extremely good receiver, uh, especially for a running back. But that's not all he can do. He also is near the top of the league in elusiveness rating every year of his career. Uh, and he's in the league leaders in broken tackles. Kind of like really, really good at everything, which is why he scores so many touchdowns. Uh, and he does it extremely efficiently. He is tied for number one amongst active running backs in yards per touch. Do you want to guess the running back that he's tied with? This is career yards per touch for active running backs. Christian McCaffrey? No, it is Duke Johnson. <laughs> what? Yes, yeah, 6.2 yards per touch for his career. As Matt's reaction will tell you, Duke no, Johnson. No, why is Duke Johnson not getting the ball more? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Duke Johnson touches the ball a lot less than Alvin Kamara. Uh, Kamara has over 200 more career touches than Duke Johnson does. So he's just basically like the king of efficiency for NFL running backs. Yeah, just just another chance to shit out the Texans again. Duke Johnson spent a lot of time there. I think he's a free agent right now. He is just a guy who's a really good receiving back, and that's why he gets more yards per touch. But uh, let us go on to your favorite non-quarterback. This is a running back heavy episode. Uh, my Mine is Christian McCaffrey and like literally everything you just said. <laughs> Also about, applies to McCaffrey. Also but, applies to Christian McCaffrey. So like, <laughs> I don't know really like know how much more there is to say. As good as Alvin Kamara was last year, like the year before that, Christian McCaffrey won a ton of people their fantasy football leagues. And he's probably going to be like the number one pick in most people's fantasy drafts this year. So, oh, if he's not number one in your fantasy draft this year, something weird is going on. Uh, can I tell you a weird stat that I found? Go for it. Alvin Kamara has never had a thousand yard season rushing or receiving, but has had a thousand scrimmage yards every single season of his career. Christian McCaffrey two years ago had a thousand yards, over a thousand three hundred yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving <laughs> on his way to scoring 19 touchdowns. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey. Everything I said about Kamara applies to Christian McCaffrey, but he's like slightly better than Kamara, or at least he handles way more volume. Kamara does not get as many touches as yeah. some of these other. I mean, guys. that was really a lot of it. I was kind of out of necessity that year. They really didn't have much else they were going to do on offense other than get him the ball. So, yep. Uh, so on to favorite rookies. My favorite rookie is someone that Matt had mentioned earlier, and that is uh, Panthers wide receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. We won't spend a ton of time on him, but he was kind of the lost guy in that LSU offense a couple of years ago with uh, Joe Burrow and all those guys. With Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in the same receiving room, he still had 13 touchdowns. And then he came back last year and got another 10 touchdowns in only seven games. Like he had 700 yards and 10 touchdowns in seven games. If he had played like a full, like 14 with, or 15 games with bad quarterback play. By the oh way. yeah. With bad quarterback. If he had played the full, like 14 games with like average quarterback play, he basically would have had Jamar chase this season from two years ago. You know, that like 1500 yards, 20 touchdowns, not out of the question for this guy. Uh, he's a big, big target, six, four, 200 pounds. 
projects as being a very good red zone receiver right off the bat. Uh, and he also has a chance to become a good deep ball threat. And he kind of, you know, I didn't mention him when I was talking about the Panthers offense, but that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about them this season is, you know, pairing him with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Uh, and then of course, Christian McCaffrey running routes as well. Like you, you got weapons kind of all over the place now. What about you? Who's your favorite rookie? So you made this real easy for me. I'm going with Kyle Pitts. We heard all draft period, all the hype about Kyle Pitts. I want to see this shit. Like he's this weird mix between a wide receiver and a tight end. I know a lot of people, if you say, if, if you're both, then you're neither. But like, I think he's, fully capable of actually truly being both he is just built to be like the ultimate receiving weapon and assuming assuming that matt ryan's arm doesn't just fall off this could be one hell of an exciting rookie tight end year for us to see like i expect kyle pitts to like actually legit have a good receiving year yeah, I mean, uh, two things on Pitts. One, like you said, to rookie, like being a tight end is one of the hardest positions to transition from the uh, NCAA to the NFL. And we, we haven't really seen anybody do it like amazingly their first season. Uh, Gronk, I think, had 10 touchdowns his first season in New England, but didn't have the yardage. Kyle Pitts is supposed to be the transcendent, like LeBron James type of going to come in and be amazing right away. Also, we talked about Terrace Marshall Jr. having 10 touchdowns in seven games. Well, Cal Pitts had 12 in eight games last season at Florida. Yeah, man, I, I'm excited to see what he ends up being. Like you said, like, is he Kittle? Is he Kelsey? Is he, you know, is he something we've never seen before on an NFL field? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably what it's going to be is he's just kind of his own thing. Um, maybe not, you know, better or worse than any of them, just a different player. He is, like I said, just this weird hybrid. If you were to put him full time as an outside wide receiver, I think he could consistently get you a thousand yards every year. The really interesting thing to me with him as well is that the situation in Atlanta's kind of like really good for him to have a big season. They're going to be losing a lot. So they're going to be throwing a lot. He has Calvin Ridley out there to take pressure off of him. Uh, like, you know, you can't really focus all that much on Kyle Pitts when you have Ridley or, or you can, and Ridley's going to have a huge season. And Arthur Smith is their new head coach who, you know, we talked about what he did in Tennessee and how great of an offensive mind he is. And then last thing on Kyle Pitts, before we go on to bold predictions, uh, 18 yards per catch in college last season, 18 yards per catch for a tight end. All right. So category five, the hurricane bold predictions. Uh, do you remember a little while ago when I told you that Alvin Kamara has never had a thousand yards receiving or rushing in a single season? I vaguely remember that. My bold prediction is that Same not only good. will he do one, <laughs> that he will do both this season. Uh, and like you said, when Christian McCaffrey did it a couple of years ago, it was kind of because Carolina had to, 
I think the Saints kind of have to this season. Like I said, Latavius Murray is probably the second best player on that defense or the offense right now. And he is apparently fighting for a roster spot and may get cut. So it's going to be a lot more opportunity for Alvin Kamara. You know, we talked about the skill positions in New Orleans not being good, but their offensive line is top five in the league this season. Uh, They're projected to be great. And so I think the opportunity is going to be there. And I think that the necessity for them to give him a bigger workload than we've ever seen him have is going to be there. And he has all the talent to do it. So I'm going a thousand yards rushing and receiving for Kamara this season. Yeah. I, you can't really argue against it. It's very reminiscent of that season that Christian McCaffrey did all that and had the 19 touchdowns. It's, I think that setup is the very similar. I think Sean Payton wants to be competitive. Like, I don't think he's looking at this as a rebuild season. I think that their right. only chance of being competitive is to like feed the beast, man. Alvin Kamara is one of the best players in the league. Give him the ball. What is your bold prediction? So my bold prediction is that the Atlanta Fal- Falcons are going to finish second in this division by winning at least nine games. Okay. So winning record for the Falcons and a second place finish. Uh, I assume behind the Mad Cats. Yes. Only behind the Mad Cats. <laughs> Definitely not Tampa who returned all 22 of their starters. Nope. Not never would I pick them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you got you got you to choose winners by name. And how could you go against Mad Cats? How could you go against Mad Cats? Yeah. I kind of like that pick too, because uh, I think Arthur Smith, is going to be a good head coach. And, you know, like we said, some of the weapons on that offense are going to be really good. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts. I think Mike Davis is interesting. I don't know if you saw the picture of him running the ball at practice the other day with no pads on. (laughs) That dude's huge. Oh, yeah. He's a big guy. Oh, my God. I didn't realize he was that big. Yeah. And I kind of just think that, Arthur Smith being able to find a way for them to successfully run the ball is going to kind of mitigate some of their defensive issues. I think a big part of the problem for them over those years in Atlanta was also Dane Quinn defensively. I mean, eventually you got to kind of look at, look in the mirror and see that you're the common denominator when your defense is garbage year after year after year, when you're a defensive guy looking at you, Matt Patricia. But I think if they're able to run the ball and kind of keep the defense off the field for a little bit, that gives those coaches, the new coaches that are not tied to Dan Quinn at all, a little bit more time to, you know, coach them up, get them ready for when they go back out on the field and, if they can just get a few more wins on defense, then, you know, the success of possession after possession of just getting, you know, the ball aired out on them or being run all over, like, it doesn't add up the same way. So, yeah. Last thing I want to say on this pick, too, I actually think it's a good one because they lost eight games last season by one score. Yeah. Eight. Like, if you think of just like regular, like kind of reverting back to the mean, 
they should be 500 in those games. And that's, that's already eight wins. Like, and you have 17 games this season. Yeah. And the, the big thing is as long as Matt Ryan is healthy and his arm doesn't give out because he's getting up there a little bit, but as long as he's still Matt Ryan, they're going to be in these games. And that defense just needs to be a hair better. All right. That is it for us. Uh, as always, you can find Fouled Out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. And now you can find uh, our videos on TikTok. Uh, also at Fouled, I think it's Fouled Out Podcast on TikTok. That feels weird to say. It does. It does. But we are changing with the times. Uh, first two videos both got like over 600 views. So it's going pretty good. Damn. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I have a, a Patriots preseason game that I have to go overreact to on Reddit. It's going <laughs> on right now. Uh, so I will see you later, my friend. You got to post your, uh, your overreactions to the TikTok. That I think that probably actually would make a pretty good video. All right. Yeah. Uh, my You're friend. Welcome. Yes, I will talk to you soon. Bye, Robin. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Mom.